All right, good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all uh, who are watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. Uh, as always, every day, I'm Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, uh, hoping everyone continues to stay safe, stay healthy, uh, as we start to head back to some sense of normalcy. Um, before we get started, as always, I'd like to thank uh, our Hall of Fame partners here, the City of Virginia Beach, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, Priority Automotive, ESPN Radio 94.1, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Without them, none of, this, none of these initiatives and events would be possible. So thank you to all of you for your support. In 1946, Richmond Raceway opened its doors and quickly became a part of the fabric of auto racing in this country. Uh, America's premier short track, that's not my term, that's a term that's, that's been given to it by a lot of people, uh, has hosted hundreds of top-level NASCAR events over its 75 years, and thousands of other racing and non-racing events have also called it home. Um, in two weeks, NASCAR returns under the lights to Richmond Raceway, April 17th and 18th, and we are thrilled to be joined today by the president of Richmond Raceway, Dennis Bickmeyer. Uh, Dennis has been in the racing game since 1999, working at Auto Club Speedway, Michigan International Speedway, and ultimately now as president uh, at Richmond Raceway, in 20, which he took over in 2011. Uh, and you've been in charge of quite an overhaul there. So, so Dennis, we're so happy to have you on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. And uh, you know, certainly appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, around the Commonwealth of Virginia to just remind everybody of the, the rich history that Virginia has in sports and as you mentioned that that auto racing has in sports i mean i tell people all the time that you know richmond raceways roots are deep in motorsports certainly in nascar we were a big part of nascar's formative years and big part of their growth and and will be a big part of their future as well as as you mentioned uh, a lot going on here at richmond raceway a lot of renovations over the last few years that we'll i'm sure we'll get into here over the the course of this conversation, but uh, just thankful and uh, to be with you. Appreciate it. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, as I mentioned, Richmond Raceway is an icon in Virginia, um, and it's great to, to talk with the person who's kind of back behind the scenes molding it all together. Um, obviously, this is on Facebook Live, so if anybody has any questions, please feel free to put them up, and I'll see if I can get them over to Dennis. Uh, my first question, though, you're an Ohio University graduate. Has it been a little... Yeah, sketchy since Ohio knocked UVA out of the tournament these past few weeks? Um, no, not really. I mean, I do have some UVA friends. So um, I got a few Bobcat alums here in the Richmond Raceway office with me. So uh, we ganged up on a few of the UVA grads here as well, but all, all in good fun. Um, so yeah, it was great to see them have that, you know, have that success. And they made a big run just to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, but truth be told, so as much as I root for my alma mater, Ohio U, I am a really, really big Ohio State. Uh, oh, gotcha. Especially Ohio State football. So we're actually in our conference room, but if we were doing this in my, if I were in my office, uh, you'd see a lot of scarlet and gray in my office. Okay, all right. Well, it's good to see that you're still standing. Uh, you know, I, I know how the UVA fans can be. So it's glad that they've treated you fairly nicely. Um, as I mentioned in, in our intro, racing returns April 17th and 18th, and that, that has to just be unbelievably exciting for you. You did host the race in September, but the April race last year was canceled for, for obvious reasons. How strange was that weekend in September last year without fans? Well, it, I tell people all the time, Will, it, it, it was the oddest thing I've ever done in my 30-plus year career. I've been in sports my entire career, and it was the strangest thing. 
I've ever done. And I will tell you, we were thankful to have race cars back on the racetrack uh, because we did not have our April race. Um, it got moved to another facility. Um, so, yeah, and certainly when you think back April 2020, we were still in the early stages of, of the, of the COVID-19 virus. And so there were still so many unknowns and, you know, NASCAR led the way back for sports and getting action back on at the racetracks and back on television, and then slowly started to introduce fans. Unfortunately, we couldn't do our April race. They got moved to Darlington. And then that September race, as you mentioned, um, we did without fans. So it was strange. Um, and now you mentioned two weeks from now, Governor Northam dropped the cap for outdoor sports and entertainment venues and motorsports facilities. So we can do up to 30%. So um, it was tough a year ago telling fans that our race was being canceled. And then to tell them we were gonna do a race without fans. It feels so much better right now that we were able to at least reach out to uh, our season ticket holders, especially that we're going to be able to welcome you back in a couple of weeks. It is amazing how it's really kind of all tied together within the last year. I mean, we all remember the images and, and just the stories from March last year. It just seemed every single day a new event was being canceled and it, it was nonstop almost. And so now to be here a year later where you get the good news that today the executive order went into place, actually, that you can actually get up to that 30 percent number. Um, what can fans expect? The, the ones that are going, what can they expect? Are the campgrounds open? You know, there, there still are restrictions in place. So this isn't a free for all, but. What, what can people expect if they're coming to the raceway? Well, and I think that's well said on it's not a free-for-all. I mean, I think, um, you know, there are uh, requirements if you go in and read the executive order uh, for uh, sports venues, for uh, motorsports venues. We have our own section as well, just like, you know, like, a, like amusement parks do or restaurants have. Um, so it's pretty spelled out there, you know. I mean, we've got to, uh, we don't take this responsibility lightly to uh, be able to welcome fans back. But when you look at it, um, you know, there's a lot of the, of the restrictions, you know, are still related to social distancing in the grandstands, mask wearing, uh, uh, staggered entry times, you know, which is different for us and as much contactless as we can be. So we're going all digital on our tickets. We're going all digital on our parking passes. Um, concessions, even though we don't operate those, those guys are going cashless. Um, so those are some big changes for folks that have been coming to, you know, races here at Richmond for 20, 30 years, doing the same things as they always do, because our NASCAR fans love their traditions. Um, so, but there are some other things too, that just, you know, obviously the reduced number of people, A, but B, we won't have the big entertainment midway. We'll have a few displays, not a lot. Um, the driver interactions won't be there this time around, um, no tailgating, things like that. We are doing camping, but we're doing every other spot. So that's tough because camping is so big uh, here at Richmond Raceway. And, um, you know, so we're just not able to accommodate all of our campers just based on how we have to camp, uh, set up the camping facilities. So a lot of changes, you know, but I think, um, you know, we're all in this together. We got to do the right things. Let's let's you know take the right steps now. And I feel, and I know a lot of other people do, that we'll be in a much different place come September, you know? And um, but we gotta do the right things now to get us to September. You you mentioned the word tradition, and one of the biggest traditions about the Richmond races are the fact that they're under the lights. 
how important was it to maintain that? You obviously said that you know, you're giving people a longer day to have a lot more fun. Um, was there ever a conversation in moving it to the afternoon or, or was it always on the radar to keep it at night? Well, it actually is for this April. So our Camping World Truck Series race on Saturday, April 17th at Toyota Care 250 is actually a 1.30 start time. Gotcha. And yeah. our Sunday Toyota Owners 400 uh, Cup Series race is actually a Sunday afternoon race. So I think that's, I think it's a 3.30 okay. start. So we may get to uh, have the lights on there maybe at the end of it. Um, but uh, night racing is such a strong tradition here. Richmond Raceway kind of led the charge on, on racing under the lights, you know, 25 or more years ago. And it, it had been a standard here for so long. Um, you know, this change would have actually been made last year in 2020 had we been able to run the April race. It actually would have been in the afternoon. Um, you know, at this point, kind of given where we are, it's probably a blessing in disguise, quite frankly, you know, because we do have to have a, a shorter window. We're not going to open the parking lots as early as we would have, you know, traditionally have done. I, I, those staggered entry gate times that I mentioned, that's really important that we get that right. So probably not the end of the world, you know, that we're actually doing it in, in the daytime. I, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, I think our fans are just happy to be able to be at the racetrack. So it's an adjustment for them. Um, but the other thing too is, you know, it gives us something different to build on. And um, it really delineates the two race weekends. Now you got one race in the spring that's during the day and the track race is different in the day and when the sun's out and if it's hot versus how it races at night. So I'm okay with differentiating the two weekends, you know, and, and if we weren't going through this time, our team would be doing something even more to make the two weekends look different. So that's our challenge as promoters. I'm excited about that when we get back to a little bit more normal times. Um, but yeah, for right now, I think we're going to, we're going to be ready to go. So, you know, that, I think you're, you're, you hit it the nail on the head. I think people are just happy to be back at events again and the opportunity of at least having that option. And again, I, I had that wrong. They are during the afternoon, not at night this April, September, they'll be back at night. Uh, but this is also a very big year for the racetrack. I mean, 75 years, the diamond anniversary. You know, you guys have done a, a lot of social engagement on social media channels, really getting people talking about the track, the history and what it means to them. Um, what are some of the memories? What are some of the favorites that have popped up and maybe some that are a little bit off the wall as well? Yeah, so it's uh, you mentioned that 1946 opening. So yeah, 75th anniversary uh, season. So um, we actually, we're going to start, we were going to start rolling out our top 75 moments today. We've decided to, to move that to uh, the start of race week. So after we get through the Martinsville race, which is April 7th and 8th, I think I got that right. And then that leads into Richmond the following week. We're going to, on Monday, start breaking our top 75 moments. So to your point, that's uh, going to be through a lot of social engagement. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. We had a committee put together of some longtime uh, motorsports writers, uh, a lot of people that have been involved uh, with, the, with the sport, uh, with Richmond Raceway over the years. as kind of our historical committee to, to, to pound out these top 75 moments. So... That being said, I'm not going to reveal all of them or where they're going to fall, but you know, for the, for the race fans out there, I think probably a couple that, that come to, to mind are the, the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kyle Busch wreck late in one race um, that uh, 
I think uh, Junior or someone made the comment that Carl Bush is probably going to need an escort to get out of the facility after <laughs> taking Dale Jr. out, you know, what the 15-time most popular driver. Um, obviously, Dale Sr.'s, uh, he's mentioned in a lot of these top 75 moments, uh, you know, the the time he hung out the 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 windshield or the, the driver's side of his car to wipe his windshield off so he could see to continue driving was pretty impressive while the car was going down pit road. Um, there's the, uh, make sure I got this right, I think it's the Waltrip Earnhardt Sr. crash that allowed Kyle Petty to sail on and get his first ever career victory. Uh, you know, the first ever race under the lights, as I mentioned, kind of leading the way in the industry under the lights. So there'll be a lot of those opportunities to, to share these moments with fans and really drive some strong fan engagement uh, through celebrating the 75th anniversary. So I'm excited to do that. Um, excited to do it with the fans to kind of take this walk down memory lane, if you will, um, and really to celebrate, like I said, the history and the legacy uh, of this sport. Um, two others just kind of popped into mind. Tony Stewart got his first ever career win here. And when you talk about the tagline, America's premier short track, you know, just listen to Tony Stewart talk about this place. I mean, just, he's just so positive about the track, how it's built, the facility overall. I mean, he's like one of our biggest cheerleaders and we're, we're thankful for that. And he's had some success here. And the other one is uh, Rusty Wallace has had some incredible success here. Um, and he had a, a car he won a race that finished right at the stroke of midnight. Literally, when he crossed the finish line, it was midnight. And unfortunately, we had had some rain delays. And that was before I arrived here. But they nicknamed You can't that control car. the weather, though. <laughs> no, no. But they nicknamed that car Midnight. And for those Rusty Wallace fans out there, they're very familiar with the car named Midnight. It won like 18 races over Rusty's career. But it's just so, so cool that it struck midnight as soon as he crossed the start finish line. I think that was like 90 or something like that well it's amazing to just you know going back through the history and I, i'm a sports history guy so i i love stuff like that but you hear you know Waltrip, Earnhardt, petty bush Stuart, wallace you know th these names are synonymous with nascar and i see you have the trophy behind you which we're a little partial here we love that trophy we actually have jeff burton's trophy um that that he won when he won the race up there um you know richmond raceway has has always had a special place in virginia but it is one of the older tracks and you, you've now been there 10 years and you've really found ways to modernize it and make it much more fan engagement friendly. For the people who haven't had a chance to get up there in the last few years, kind of give them a feel of when we can get back to normal, what the raceway has to offer now. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest things we went through about a $30 million renovation a couple of years ago and completely, as we called it, reimagined our infield experience. So you know, um, we gave the competitors new garages to work in, and that's great. They needed that. But really, it was about uh, really reconnecting the fans who are the heart and soul of the sport to the drivers. And I do this all the time. I, I join my hands like that because the racetrack is where the everyone in the sport meets, right? It's the it's where the, the competitors compete. It's where the fans come and watch their favorite drivers compete. This is where this is where the industry comes together, and it's so important for us to continue to have that connectivity. Again, here I go again. That connectivity between the drivers and their fans, and we created this fan area in the infield where literally you can walk in the garage 
and see the teams working on the cars. There's the competition side of the garage. There's the fan side of the garage. But they're separated by an elevated walkway and about a you know waist high fence. It's not like there's glass and we've you know it's not like being at the zoo. You know you got the animals behind the glass on one side and you got the patrons on the other side. Um, and it's been really cool, Will, to see how it, the interaction has happened. Like you'll have fans call out to a crew member and ask them a question, and they'll come over and answer it. Um, You'll see crew members just, you know, engaging fans, telling them what's happening, what's being worked on on the car. You'll see drivers coming over and sign autographs. And every time I see that when I'm in the infield, I just take a deep breath and go, yes, that's what this was designed to do. You know, it's working, it's working, it's working. Um, because again, no fans, no us, right? You can lock up the gate, go when we can, we go away. And we've got to always think about the fan experience. So. It's a long way to say that's probably one of the biggest things that's happened over the years. And then the other thing is just, you know, everything that we can do to, again, try to uh, improve that fan experience. We call it from driveway to driveway. From the time you leave your driveway to the time you get back to your driveway, what can we do to make sure that you're entertained? So whether it's your advanced communication, it's your ingress, it's your egress, and everything that happens in between with making drivers available for autograph sessions or Q&As and a real interactive midway and music and food. You know, th these races have become festival-like events. And I tell people all the time, the race is the culmination of a great day at the racetrack. There's so much for you to see and do. You can do everything or you can do a little. You can, you can focus on your tailgating and come in and race. That's what the beauty is uh, of, of these types of of NASCAR events is there's a lot to see and do. You can pack a lot in, you can show up and just go in and enjoy the race. But, and that's why I love what we do because again, you can you can throw a lot of stuff at folks and some people will, will do 50% of the things that we plan uh, during the course of a, of a race day, but that's okay. I mean, they're here to be entertained. It's it's been you know ever since we met a couple of years ago you you've always just whenever you talk about what you've done to the infield you, your face lights up and you could just see that now and we're happy to see that that has actually turned out the way that you wanted it to um, you know one thing that has kind of changed though is the fall race it used to be the last race before the playoffs now it's actually in the playoffs which I think again goes to show the importance that this track holds among not just Virginian Virginia racing but NASCAR in general. Is there one that you, do you wish it was still the one before the playoff or are you happy that it's back in the playoff now or that it's in the playoff now? I, I love being in the playoffs. I love knowing and being able to promote that Richmond Raceway is one of 10 racetracks that will help determine who the champion is. I think that's a good spot to be in. Um, you're right, it used to be that we were the last race to make the playoffs and that held uh, a special place as well. Things kind of changed a little bit, I think, for us and our fans when the playoff field got expanded a little bit because it was used to be 10 team or 10, yeah, 10 drivers and two wild cards. And I will tell you, Will, when we when it was that set up, especially for those wild card spots, it always seemed like something kind of crazy happened at Richmond uh, for those two wild card spots. I mean, Halloween always came early. It felt like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Jeff Gordon raced his way in twice. And so that was fun. When the field expanded, we went through a couple of years where nothing changed. You know, we kind of kept waiting for that 
home run moment, that 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 bottom of the ninth walk-off home run moment. Um, and it just didn't happen. And then the opportunity presented itself to be in the playoffs. And I do think it was a good move for us. Again, I, I do think it gives us something different to promote. And we saw last year with Daytona as that cutoff race. I mean, you want to talk about a truly wild card race where anything could happen. That was a really good spot for that cutoff race to be in. Um, you know, without fans last year and without events, um, it you had to get creative and you had to find ways to show that you still had a presence in the community. And, and I think Richmond has gone above and beyond. And there are two things I want to talk about. The first one being, you know, you guys stepped up when students didn't have physical graduations. You developed an initiative where you basically had a drive-through graduation for Henrico County Schools on the track at Richmond. How did that idea come about and how difficult is it to keep a car banked at such a low rate of speed? <laughs> so um, I, I will tell you that when I'm long retired, those graduations, those three days of graduations will be one of the things that I talk about in my career because it was just so fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple of our other tracks, Phoenix and Daytona, that did uh, some drive-through graduations. And I think it was Phoenix that, that did it first and kind of put the model together. Um, and then we took uh, a presentation that they had and modified it for our race and sent it to the local school districts here and say, we think we've got a solution for you. You know, I mean, um, and Henrico County jumped on it. And we ended up doing 10 graduations, drive-through graduations over three days. And, you know, at first people were like, really, this is how I'm going to graduate? But if you looked at those Facebook comments when it rolled out, you were like, oh, man, there's a lot of negativity out there. A couple of weeks later, when they actually had the experience, those comments flipped. I mean, people were so thankful. And I, I say for, for the students, for their families, for the teachers, for the administrators, crossing that start finish line, albeit in your vehicle, gave everybody a sense of closure. Mm -hmm. So if you could see the smiles on the faces of the students and the teachers to be able to say goodbye and for the students to be able to say thank you, it was so fulfilling. And it was interesting too, because, you know, typical graduation, the, the graduates are on the floor of a arena or something, the families are way up here they're all in the car together. People brought out the family dogs. I mean, it was, it was very unique. And, and then, yeah, I mean, safety first, because, you know, you put people on a racetrack, they think they're race car drivers. So <laughs> um, we had to make sure that, uh, that uh, everything, the right kind of speed were, was maintained. We had a few uh, speed bumps out there as well. Yeah. So to kind of keep everybody at a, at a nice pace. Well, I mean, that's certainly making lemonade out of lemons. Um, that, it's an experience that I, I can't say that I had that, and only that that year that year will be able to say that. Uh, but another massive initiative that the Raceway has undertaken is serving as a mass vaccination site um, up in Enrico County and, and for the state. Uh, did the state or did the county approach you? And uh, and how many people have been able to come through the site and get their vaccination since you started that? So great questions. Um, there's a lot to unpack there because I just left the site actually before I came over to jump on this um, Facebook Live with you because we're doing our first day of J&J &J shots today and mm. 5,000 actually today. So uh, I'm encouraged by um, how many people wanted to get the J&J &J shot. The, the lines uh, reflect that. 
Um, you know, we don't typically, we've been running everybody through in 15 to 20 minutes. We're not, we're not there today just because of the, uh, the, the number of appointments today um, in a compressed time. We're, we're doing 5,000 from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. The most we've done is 7,200, but that was from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So you could spread it out a little bit more, but that's just today. So, um, but going all the way back to when we knew that the vaccinations were approved and they were gonna start scaling up vaccination sites. I got a call one Saturday morning from our Henrico County Emergency Manager, uh, Jackson Baynard, who, who said, look, we're gonna, we'd love to stand up a, a mass vaccination site at your place. We think we'll be there a couple of weeks. Um, I think they plan on being here till like the end of June now, which is okay, you know? Uh, so like a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months to turn into a couple more months, but we're cool with that. Um, he told me how they were, were planning to do it. We had a meeting and it's just one of those great public-private partnership examples. You know, we got the facility, we got the size for parking, we got the buildings to do the shots in, um, we got the ability to scale up even more. So it was just a win-win for everybody. And it's been really flawless. You know, we've had a couple of days where we've had some backups like we're seeing today, but that's not the norm. Um, but it's just been so fulfilling again to see people like get their shot and walk out of the building with their arms raised, just so thankful that they were able to, to do this. So um, we're thankful to play a small part and, um, you know, share a little bit because you asked the question about the number, um, but we're going to do a media event on Saturday and we will hit our 100,000th shot in an arm here at Richmond Raceway sometime Saturday morning. So some lucky person, uh, as long as they're willing to do it, we'll get to have a bunch of cameras in front of them when they get their shot and we're gonna give them a nice certificate and, and really celebrate it because I, I think it's part, we need to continue to get the word out about the vaccinations. And look, I'll say this too about the, the scale up to 30%. If you listen to Governor Northam, Part of what he said was things that we had been preaching here is hopefully as the vaccination numbers go up and the cases go down, that will allow us to open this, this business sector, reopen sports and entertainment. And I've been well on a, on a weekly call with some of my colleagues from around the Commonwealth. So other venue operators, representatives from college athletics, and we've been unified in our approach to go to this percent capacity and send a recommendation over to the governor's office. And we're thankful for the opportunity to drop the cap and focus on 30%. But if we keep doing the right things and keep getting shots in arms, we're hopeful that 30 can go to 50, that can go to 75 to, you know, get us back to, to opening up at a, at a larger scale. And, you know, for our friends on the indoor side, we got to get our indoor venues uh, up and running as well. Um, so hopefully they're not too far behind, you know, the outdoor folks and, and we start seeing some scale up for our, some indoor events, but we got to do it, you know, the right way. We got to do it smart. And I keep repeating this. We don't take this responsibility lightly, just like other business sectors. We know we got to do the right things. Well, you know, um, you mentioned 100,000. That, that's a great number. And, you know, through venues like yourself, the Salem Civic Center, the Berglund Center, and, and others across the state, and I, I feel bad for not mentioning them all, but I, I only have a few minutes. Um, without 
the support of the sports community, you know, we wouldn't be moving as fast as we are. And I think that people need to really understand that and, and just notice that sport, again, is being used for good. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, obviously, to the casual fan, Daytona and Talladega, they're the big ones. I mean, they made the movie Talladega Nights um, with fast cars, big crashes, et cetera. But from your perspective, why is Richmond Raceway and Virginia as a whole so important to racing history and, and the legacy of racing in this country? Well, I think you got to go back and you got to look at, um, you know, the, the drivers that have come from Virginia, uh, the drivers that we currently have in the sport from Virginia. I think that says a lot. You look at the racetrack, the facilities around Virginia. Again, we were a big part of, of the early years, in particular NASCAR, but just motorsports uh, overall. And we've continued to update and modernize our facilities. So I think, you know, you roll all that in to one, um, you know, the, the roots of the sport in North Carolina, the roots of the sport throughout Virginia. I mean, the Wood Brothers, like let's start, I mean, just what you were just saying about the back sites, I'm gonna start min missing names, but you know, Wood Brothers, the Burdens, the Sadlers, uh, Ricky Rudd, I mean, just go down through the list. It's, it's remarkable the impact that, that people from the Commonwealth of Virginia have had on motorsports. Rick Hendrick is a Virginian and you know one of the most successful car owners uh, of all time. Keep going through the list. Again, I'm gonna miss so many. I mean, we've had, so really quickly, I, I know we're running short on time, but it, if, when we can get back to reopening our new infield, we do have what we call a garage walk of fame. And what it does is celebrate uh, what we call the racing, we call racing Virginia. So we've been working on this initiative, Racing Virginia, to connect all of racing in Virginia, not just Richmond and Martinsville, the tracks that host the National Series events, but all of our short tracks, 24 or 25 local tracks that are family-run businesses, just like over in your area, Langley Speedway is a family-run business. We need those tracks to be successful. Those tracks are, again, the grassroots part of our sport. So we have this whole initiative around racing Virginia to uh, to prop up motorsports overall in the Commonwealth. And the reason we want to do that is because of the history and the legacy, the characters, the drivers, the people that have come and, and given so much to the sport um, to keep it uh, so popular here in Virginia. So we're thankful that that motorsports and NASCAR in particular has been a big part of of the Commonwealth and you know, lastly, we provide huge economic impact with our events. Um, again, we're not just Richmond and Martinsville, but other venues across the state. It's really important, the economic impact that we drive as well, as well as the entertainment value. So I know there's a lot there. We're just proud of, of the history and the legacy of motorsports here in the Commonwealth. And we just want to make sure that we can share it with everybody. Well, there's plenty of history still to be made beginning April 17th and 18th back at Richmond Raceway. Uh, Dennis, always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, our state truly has this racing legacy uh, that should be celebrated, and you guys continue to do a great job of that. So thanks again for joining us today. Well, greatly appreciate it. And again, appreciate everything that you're doing uh, with the Hall of Fame. And again, just want to really encourage everybody to get out there, support the Hall. And I know you're anxious to get back to be able to uh, – do some induction ceremonies and things It'd like nice. that as well and, <laughs> and, and to celebrate the, the great sports personalities from around the Commonwealth. Best of luck with that. Well, thank you. And best of luck with race weekend. As I mentioned, April 17th, you have the NASCAR truck series, Toyota care 250 
And April 18th, you have the NASCAR Cup Series Toyota Owners 400. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in today, followed along. Um, this video will be up on the Facebook page, so you'll be able to go back to it, listen, learn uh, about everything going on at Richmond Raceway. Again, thank our partners, City of Virginia Beach, Priority Automotive, uh, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, ESPN Radio, and the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Be sure to follow us on all of our platforms at VA Sports HOF, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And, and where can they follow Richmond Raceway on Twitter? Yeah, uh, richmondraceway.com for our website, at Richmond Raceway on Twitter, and at Richmond Prez with a Z on Twitter as well. There you go. Good plug for you. Uh, Dennis, again, thanks for joining us today. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. And whatever you do, participate, don't spectate.